You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If any of our Seminole family suffered home or business damage during Hurricane Sally, the Morgan Law Group can help you. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. The Morgan Law Group can help you file a claim and get the settlement you deserve. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right freaking now. You bet it does. There's Ira, there's Corey. I can see him on my Zoom call here. I'm Jeff. Registers meats, sausages, all things register sponsoring this hour. We thank them heartily for their delicious, delicious, I can speak, sausages. Yeah, there you go. There's an intro. How you doing, boys? Good, buddy. I crushed some. Uh, all last week, I crushed sausage. I look didn't come off the way I wanted to, but I really did. Like literally every morning, uh, well, early afternoon, uh, I had the sausage. It's awesome, folks. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm gonna have I to actually go buy you. some. I think they believe you. Yeah. Right. I had the jalapeno yeah, we, cheddar this time again. I went back to that. It's, I just yeah, it's it's good. I, I could eat it every day. Yeah, Ben, ben uh, the sausage guy, hooked us up with some some samples, a lot of samples to start off with, and then uh, now we're at the point. It's like, hey man, we need another hookup, or we're yeah. gonna have to hit, we're gonna have to run to the store ourselves. But yeah, you can uh, get it basically at any grocery store in the southeast. Um, sausage is actually, I guess, kind of regional. Different parts of the country have their own regional operations. Uh, Registers is trying to expand a little bit. That's why they're advertising with us. Um, but yeah, most uh, grocery stores you can also order it online at registermeats.com. And uh, just try it. We promise you'll like it. Really fine choice. They understand this thing is kind of global. Right. Yeah. Show. I mean, they, they get it. It's, it's if you want to. And it keeps ascending. It right keeps here. ascending. It's true. You know, it's interesting. I, I want to come at it this way as far as this last loss. We'll be doing this a lot during the season, talking about the losses. But I, I you know, one of my favorite things, I think, out of everything that we do, whether it's. Uh, this show where we reflect on it, whether it's Iris 321, Corey, your columns, whether it's you guys getting together right after the game. Uh, obviously, there are write-ups that abound after all the year. My favorite, I'm going to pay you guys a compliment, is uh, the right after the game video you guys do. Um, or pretty close to right after. Because I can think, I, I, I get to see Corey the fan more than anything else. And like, he can't take this much longer. <laughs> I'm really concerned that like 
the objectivity's not there with him after these games in the immediate aftermath. Like I, I see you trying to steer it, trying to kind of you know calm it down a little bit, and then Corey, when you write something, it's there, it's in place. You've had time to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Ira, when you do your three, two, one, I can tell you've taken some time to digest the game. By the time we talk here, we've had plenty of time right. to vet what we just saw. But that immediate video has me worried about Corey. I, I feel like for the most part, he just he's about to be done watching the games. But I don't I don't think it's because I grew up a fan. I think it's because this has been my job now for 12 years. And I, I if I was covering uh you know, I don't know, Texas. And the well, defense boy, kept really pissed if you were covering Texas. You, you know, know what I mean? And I had no affiliation or no allegiance to Texas. I think by year three or four of just utter nonsense on one side of the ball, you'd be like through with it. I'm done. I don't want to talk about them anymore. They can't tackle anyone. They're terrible. Like I, I think I'd be like that way even if I didn't grow up a Florida State fan. Maybe. No, but it's all, no, it, it, it's not, man. The, that's the not. thing. That's that's why Florida State fans are having such a hard time right now. And they're they're being the way they are is because you you just go into it with a different expectation. You know the guy the people that are fans of Georgia Tech or the people that are fans of NC State. Well, NC State people are crazy, but Georgia Tech, uh, maybe Washington, maybe you know they they don't live and die to the level because they haven't experienced the success that Florida State has. So. You, you, whether it's because you're a fan or because you just your respect for the program, yeah. you just high, hold it to a higher standard. I think a lot of these other college fan bases just kind of go into the year thinking, oh, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play college football and and see how it goes. And guys, I want obviously you guys know my standard doesn't change. <laughs> right. That's correct. My yeah. standards up here, they got to reach my standard. If not, I'm gonna hold them accountable. Well, here, here's what I'd say, Corey. You're uh, Ira. You're exactly right. Um, we, we, I, I am a fan. I went to the school. I love them. And I know the greatness of Florida State Pass, just as you guys do. And, Corey, you do, too, from your childhood as a fan. And I know what, what it means to see a great Florida State defense. And we both idolize Mickey Andrews and what he put together for years. And my favorite all-time Florida State players pretty much all reside on the defensive side of the ball. And you guys know I'm a huge Shade Tree guy. I'm a Marvin Jones guy. I, I love dominant defense. So when I watch this, it is bitterly disappointing. But for some reason, over the last five years, maybe eight years, I don't know what it is. Maybe it might have been Jimbo, you know, just all those years behind the curtain with him talking to him. I am, I'm pretty objective about this swoon, uh, about where we are, because I know we'll come out of it. And I've been, I feel very lucky that I've, I've been to every Florida State National Championship game. I've seen them win three national championships. I've watched, and we've all watched Florida suck, Miami suck, Texas, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Michigan, you name every preeminent program that's ever dominated college football for any stretch of time. And you can pinpoint stretches recently where they were terrible, not like kind of bad, like three and nine bad. And we haven't had that, except for we're having that. It's happening now. And I just keep saying, all right, well, everybody's endured this. If you, One of the things I liked about the Oklahoma trip was seeing the perspective of fans that have had great college football for over 100 years. So it's like, I was talking to a 75-year-old OU graduate. And he was like, ah, you know, listen, we will be great again. I know we will. And he was talking about when they were awful in the nineties and he was 
just like going through the different stages and how frustrating it is. But if you've had success and then you don't, and then you come out of it, you appreciate those all the more. I feel like this fan base, ultimately, it sucks to go through it. We'll be better for it. Uh, you'll appreciate the wins a hell of a lot more. Like even the Bowden ending, where I was living all the time in my 20s and watching this, this empire crash and, you know, a legend slowly die. He never, he's, he's not going to have, he never had a season like this. Like, you're not going to watch Bowden's, thanks for the cat he, ass. Somebody had to stop it. That's when you. That's when you know you approve. He approves of your 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 statement as if he gives you a bottle twist, bottle yeah, cap yeah. twist. Because because that's how he. What I'm, saying, what I'm saying is basically, look, seven and six was the worst you had to worry about there, and it was awful. It was terrible. It was substandard. It was not good. But this is like another world bad, and it's well, not think, fixable. I think what compounds it, and I think you know Corey's little post game rant, um, the part that I think he was the most hot. Was it was the defensive tackles, defensive line, because you have seen them play better. I think that's what's frustrating for a lot of fans. And and uh, I'll speak for Corey here. It's not like in, in two in two thousand nine. Why did I get up? Why did I have to get up for this? Two thousand. You talk plenty on your show. Like Aslan, <laughs> I've listened to that man. Aslan can't get three words in. So you you just rest your uh, lips there for you. a second. Um, in two thousand nine. Like you knew Bud Thacker, Kendrick, they're just not good. Like those guys, Corey Mango is just not good. But when you've got guys who actually you've seen produce before and then you see what's going on now, it's like, what the hell's going on? Corey, uh, do you agree? Is that I do my- agree. I, that, that's part of it. That's, that's part of it. It really is. It's like, what, what in the world? We, we know Marvin Wilson can play. He's played at a high level here. Durden has too. They've been non-existent. Like, it's almost like, I mean, like I've, I've talked about it, but Marvin Wilson had as many tackles as Devontae Love Taylor. It, that's, that should be embarrassing. He's too good a player to be such a non-entity, a non-factor. So that is part of it. The other part of it, again, is just there's no rallying to the football there's no physicality. Like, you cannot be a good football player and still play physical. And it just isn't there. It just isn't there. There's only – who's good on this defense right now? Asante is a good player. Amari Gaynor. Yeah. Renardo so, Green, I think, plays with the requisite speed and physicality. I don't know how good he is, but at least he's out there. You, you notice him. Well, let me That's ask it. you a question. Let me ask you a question. Odell Hagens was downright emotional talking about – his love of Marvin Wilson when he played in the bowl game, when he played hurt, when he played to be out there, you know, he talked about him with such great reverence. Odell has been around. He has seen the best of the best for Florida state's defensive line. He was a great player himself. He wouldn't say that about a guy and, and then, you know, turn around and watch this performance and see the way he plays without obviously addressing that. I don't know what happened, but do we think Odell can't coach anymore? No. So I hear our fans repeatedly saying, well, they're just they're still not coached well. I disagree. I, I, I put this almost solely on the players, and that yeah. is not a popular take. But I'm sorry, these players are playing like ass, even when they're put in a position to make a play. They refuse to make a play. And you know, when you go back and watch that game, there are, I don't know, 12 to 15 examples where the scheme is right 
and they don't make the play. The obvious one to everybody was for the camera angle, Janarius Robinson. But there are 12 such plays, I assure you, where the scheme is right, the run fit is correct, and they don't make a play. So that's not coaching. And going back to the coaching angle, okay, we can say that Odell, you don't like what he's doing anymore. Well, Marvin Wilson was like one of the best players in the country last year before he got hurt. So all this, so was he coached well last year? That's what I'm saying. But this year he's not. Now look, that doesn't absolve them. Like you can get more out of your players than they are currently getting out of their players. We all understand that. And, um, but still at the same time, yeah, I mean, you could at some point you can only do so much. Now, I think people listen to this were like, well, y'all didn't give Harlan Barnett that benefit of the doubt when last year when his defense was sucking. Well, number one, that was his second year, and they were they were on a wrong track. We when the first couple the first couple weeks of Harlan Barnett's tenure, nobody was saying, "Oh, good lord, this is the worst thing we've ever seen." He's got to well, get out of there. The biggest problem he was also helped that first year because of how bad the offense was. Yes, so like. The defense was just like bad. The offense was a disaster. So you give anything for the eighteen defense right now, though. <laughs> no, <you're laughs> like right. you know what I mean. Like yeah. you'd actually have a chance this weekend if you had the eighteen low. defense. Standard is low. Yes. You know the the Marvin Wilson thing to me is the most fascinating part of all this. And uh, you know I do want to try to write something about it this week. I just don't. I'm trying to figure out the right way to do it. But you know, it's whatever it is. There's something. There's something up there. You know, it's not just um, that he's not, you know, reading things right or whatever it is or adjusting to the scheme or three-man front or four-man front. There's something going on there. And I, and I didn't mention this at the game Saturday. Um, and there, there wasn't a lot of media there, so I don't I don't think anybody else did. Um, but Marvin wasn't one of the captains in pregame. And, I mean, I think he was definitely captain earlier this season. I think he was a captain last season. Um, so, I, you know – I don't know. I, I, there's, they're, they're, I don't think they're ha- they're not going to roll him publicly, but they're clearly not happy with him. Mike Norvell has said three times since that game he's talked about the forcing unit, and which is you know the defensive line linebackers. He's calling them out. They have to do more. They have to produce more. So I don't think it's just a matter of like the players aren't doing well and the coaches are trying to figure it out. Like I, they're clearly not happy with those guys up front. But why aren't they playing? Why? Well, let's, it's, let's it's, explore this. Let's yeah. explore this some more here in a second. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Probably the most baffling aspect of what we're witnessing right now is guys that have played exceptionally well before. And by the way, there are moments in this scheme currently where they're asked to do the things that they've done well in the past. So it's not like they're baffled. This is all pretty straightforward stuff on the defensive line, by the way. There's nothing unique going on here with what they're asking them to do. It is a standard operating procedure for most defensive linemen in this defense to be able to do what they're asking them to do. It's not like something crazy. Like for a long time, you know how on offense we would ask our center to be Jesus Christ? You know, <laughs> like that. that's – and Shift only this one, guy, get to the second level yeah. of that guy, then, you know. Yeah, you had yeah. to be an unbelievable athlete to play center for us. But that's not what's going on with this group on defense. And so that's why I actually feel really bad for Adam Fuller. Look, there can – there may be a time – if by season's end we see zero improvement, maybe we get into next year and nothing's happening, where we, you know, we throw our hands to the sky and go, okay, Adam, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe you're just the most unlucky bastard in the world, but it's time for us to move on. That could happen. 
But I'm not willing to state that currently because I see enough in terms of the scheme, what they're asking them to do. The plays are there to be made. They don't make plays. They don't get off of blocks. Ira, you wrote it. They never get off of blocks. They love being in the block. They don't <laughs> ever shed. And they don't, they don't play physical to Corey's point. They don't do anything well. Okay, the, so the but, defensive ends are an embarrassment to football, and everybody said how great Kando was in the preseason in the offseat. Come on, man, they don't play a lick. Well, here, here, two things. One is, I don't think any of us the, the we're, what we said during the offseason why we thought the defense would be better. Part of it was better coaching. Part of it was we thought, but he, we always qualified it with if they can get a pass rush, and. Okay, and they're saying Kendo is providing that in practice. We knew what J-Rob was, but even he's playing worse than we expected. Yes, Gennard, he's been awful. Yeah, Kane, he's, I mean, he literally, he's worse than he was last year. Yeah. Durden, Marvin Wilson, Robert Cooper, all those guys are worse than they were last year. So when you say it's not coaching, Jeff, there's two parts of coaching, right? There's scheme, but then yeah. there's also getting I, guys to... I think it's hurtful they didn't get to play a spring. <laughs> I really think it's hurtful that they didn't get to when you're installing a new defense and you need to rep it physically. You got to rep it at full speed in pads. You got to practice. You got to scrimmage it. You got to do all those things. I, I actually think it's not unique to Florida State. You're walking around at horrible defense around the country right now from units that had experience and existing coaching staffs that turned over from the year before. We're watching people not make plays on defense. And so I, I do think it. it it's extraordinary what's happening at Florida State. It's awful to watch, and you don't care about anybody else, and that's good of Adam Fuller not to use that as an excuse, but I do think that is one of the many reasons we're seeing them play this poorly. And then you have this unique situation with, with COVID and then obviously whatever players' mindsets are. I mean, if Hobson Nazaldini is cleared to play and every week we're going to play the dance with maybe he will, maybe he won't, that's untenable. That's untenable. What are we doing? And then, you know, I'm not sure Marvin cares to be here. That's untenable. I mean, it, all of this. That's what doesn't really make sense, though. He is here. He could be in the NFL right now. He, he did come back. He could have opted out six times. He could have opt, Yeah, he could opt out right now. He could have well, opted out three give weeks me, ago. Give me another reason other than he's clearly out of shape. I don't, I don't know, know. That's what it is. I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's that. I, I don't know what's, what's actually going on there. But I do know that if you would have told us in August that – because the re one of the reasons we thought the defense would be uh, at least solid was Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden. And if you'd have told me through four games they would have a total of 15 tackles or whatever it is and zero tackles for loss, I'd have said, oh, yeah, that defense is going to be horrid. If they're not making an impact and your best secondary guy, Dean, isn't even playing, your most physical back, back-end guy isn't playing, if you'd have told us that in August, that uh, – out of Nazaldeen, Wilson, and Durden, you'd have 15 tackles through three games combined. I'd be no, or four and, games. I'd be like, no big yeah. plays. And no I'd big be plays. like, yeah, yeah, no, the, the defense is going to be a wreck. And that's exactly what it is. Um, I, I don't understand what J Rob is doing half the time. I, I, you, you, I mean, players do get better, right? That's what you, that, that's how it works sometimes. And it just seems like they've all, they're all stuck in mud or they fell back. But, uh, but we're going to all agree that we don't think Odell has forgotten how to coach. And we don't think Marv is in over his head. I, I, so what are we saying? Well, here, all right. So to your point, and like you said, Adam Fuller dismissed it completely yesterday. He doesn't want to hear about it. Doesn't want to talk about the lack of reps. You know, from a when I when it, when I first started thinking about this, and, and I mentioned on your show yesterday, Jeff. Uh, Jeff still does the show uh, week weekdays, three to six, Corey. 
Is that now? Is that on terrestrial radio? Is that still on the radio, or is it it's just still a podcast? On regular radio, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, nice yeah. dog. There you go, my man. I'm Doing hanging it. it. Hanging I'm in there. It a few people right. here and there. Okay. Uh, um, but when 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 I heard Dan Mullen, the announcers during the Florida game saying that Dan Mullen talked about it and how how defenses are having such a hard time right now across college football, I just you know cognitively when I first heard it, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Defense is always ahead of offense. Why wouldn't it be ahead of offense? But I think the more you think about it, it does make sense because it is all about reps. You know, uh, you, you can, it, I think what we're seeing in college football right now is seven on seven football. Like the offenses are doing whatever they want because the defenses don't have their fits, their physicality to, to make the offenses have to normally that's what messes up the offenses, but you don't have that right now, but that doesn't excuse what we're seeing. I'm not saying that excuses it, um, but I do think it's it's. But it helps. You should look at, it, it puts it in perspective. Context. Yeah, in context. It puts it in context. Yeah. I mean, our fans need to understand, and I think they do. I think the vast majority do. Take a step back, get the you know the overhead view, the bird's eye view here. Do we think Elko doesn't know what he's doing coaching defense at Texas A&M? Well, they don't get stops. They don't get yeah. stops. Do we think? Uh, listen, I know he's a nut job, and I know he was a terrible head coach. But Bo Pelini understands defense. He's had multiple stretches of success. LSU can't stop Corey, Ira, and Jeff from scoring points against right. them. It is a humiliating thing to watch LSU play defense right now, and they got better players than Florida State, a lot better players than Florida State, and they had a returning head coach and a lot of existing culture that just won the national title. Yeah, They can't stop anybody. Florida's defense is humiliatingly bad. They just set a record. I mean, that's they haven't given up that many points in this many games since 1917. It's ridiculous. I mean, all-time records being broken. So it's not unique to Florida State. Now, and how bad must they have been in 1917? All the scores back then were like eight to six. Were they giving up 120 points in three games in 1917? They ran they're, into the buzzsaw that was San Francisco University. <laughs> Their kids just literally wouldn't take the field on defense. Yeah, they only played with seven. I mean, good grief. That's incredible. Well, then, all right, here's here's where we flip it on the other side then. Okay, if you say, okay, these defenses are bad. Okay, fine. Well, Florida State was penalized in the first two games because the offense was so bad. Well, really, you know, that that it did that Florida State couldn't take advantage of what everybody else in college football is taking advantage of. Well, James Blackman was starting at quarterback. And so now you wonder what can you know, can Jordan Travis and what the things they found on this offense, can they hang forty on North Carolina? They can, can they hang thirty on North Carolina, yes. Yes. Well, you know, that'll give them a chance. I don't know if it's no. gonna get them a win. 30 is not going to give them a win. No, I do think they have a chance to to win. I don't think they will win, but I think they have a chance to win. Much better chance this week than last. Yeah, and, and going, you know, we can't talk all negative, although it is a one and three football team. Um, I, I think you might have something in the quarterback. At worst, he's a bridge to a better version of himself. Correct. But even still, you now have a baseline for what the quarterback play can be. Like you go into games now, not completely overwhelmed at that position. In you my have an opinion, identity. You have figured out how to help your offensive line with that identity. The the universally agreed upon coach of the year for Florida State is Atkins, but yeah. I mean, they have obviously figured out something that mitigates that weakness and utilizes a strength at the position. They have an identity. They know how to scheme around it now. They'll go into games with these game plans where they're going to move the football now. 
I actually came away very impressed. That's a very good Notre Dame team, and that is a very good Notre Dame defense, and they move the ball. You can't be on the field for 71 plays if you're not sustaining drives, and they sustain drives, so they're getting better. I think on the offensive side of the ball, we know they can coach. They even got some more in Terry to buy in fully again. That's nice. I don't know what that meeting was about, but it finally worked because that kid played harder in that game than he's played in any game I've ever seen him play in. And so all of a sudden, you're seeing growth there. The younger running backs, Damian Webb looks great. I mean, they're, they're growing there. Uh, they're thin at, at, at tight end, but Cam's played well. They're getting better there. It's going to be kind of, let's look at this defense. Can we see some buy-in? Can we see some confidence? I don't know. I, I, I think they're bought in. I think they're trying hard. I don't think effort's the problem here. They're just not very good. And I can't – it is a grand mystery. None of us have an answer for why Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden, amongst others, are playing terribly. In money years. I mean, I guess technically Marvin's money year was last year too, but uh, it's a money year for both those guys. And it's just – if they're not going to be a factor, this defense is going to be horrendous. We've All seen year. that. All We've year seen theory. it, yeah. And, is, and yes. the good news is, is that we know it's there. And that's why I was going to talk about with Travis. Like, I don't know if Travis is going to play well against North Carolina. He might, have, he might struggle here and there the rest of the season. But we have now seen what his – maybe his ceiling is even higher than what we've seen. But we've seen, I mean, good quarterback play from him. Not, not okay, not average, but good to almost great quarterback play from him. I mean, he, he put up 400 yards and, all, and should have had five touchdowns against Notre Dame, you know, with that offensive line. So my point being that you, you, you now have a baseline at quarterback because you know that Jordan Travis can do the job. He's not going to be good all the time. Quarterbacks usually aren't, especially guys that have only had one start in their careers. There will be some struggles. But now you know he's played better in two games than the other guy played in three and a half years. Well, this so all now you feel around, good going forward. This all centers around when he doesn't have to be an obvious passing downs. And that's why they're smart to win first yeah. down and get something. If you get something on first down and something on second down, you give yourself a chance to be in third and four where you can hit big plays. But, I mean, that that sounds like he can't make throws or reads. Well, it's always going to be hard against Notre Dame on third and 11. There aren't many quarterbacks well, you, in the country you, that are going to light them up. Look, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you're in an obvious passing I, situation, you're going to be in trouble anyway. Yeah. Um, no matter who's the quarterback. And that was the problem with, with James was, you know, they had everything had to go perfectly for yeah. James to have a yeah. chance and to just have a chance. Well, no, Jordan, no, I, I, it I, don't, doesn't I don't disagree with that. I, yeah. That's true of most offenses. You got to stay ahead of the chains, but it's especially but, true when you have some limitations and he has some limitations. As no, a he, does, he doesn't have a cannon for sure. Right. Um, and we saw a couple of throws in that game where, you know, I mean, they have to scheme it, but the good thing is they, 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 they are, are aware of that. Yeah. You know, they, they are doing that. And, and so, no, I think you feel really good about it. one other thing I was really, I'm, I continue to be impressed with is the way they're holding guys accountable. I thought Keyshawn Helton's one of my favorite players that I've ever covered. Love that kid. Spent a lot of time with him during his rehab to do that story in the spring. I think he's, he's an awesome kid. He's worked so hard, achieved so much. I thought he was awful in that game Saturday. The the interception that everybody's killing Jordan Travis for, I thought he did not compete for that ball. He let the DB come right in front of him. And I looked at the depth chart that they released yesterday, and he's not an or. He's not starting, and he's not an or. Ontario Wilson's starting, and he's not in black anymore. Um, You know, I talked about Marvin not being a captain anymore. We talked about guys, when they make penalties, they sit out, or they get guys, for whatever reason, get suspended for games. That that to me is encouraging. I it's think huge. 
Ira, it's huge, and it's a great point. I want to continue it when we come back. Seminal Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Ira was bringing up the point just a moment ago when we broke that uh, they are disciplining players. They are getting guys off the field when they make egregious mistakes. See, Jaden Lawrence would be. Uh, you know, there are people who who get pulled when they do was something that, dumb. I want to before we get into that. Was that the worst personal foul in Florida State history? No, it, maybe it's up there because it, because it wasn't worth there. it. It wasn't like you didn't get anything out of it. Like, I was going to say, play. if you'd knocked his helmet off, right, it sent him flying into the student section. I'd have been like, man, that's really dumb, but book paid the price. Like, you literally gave him a love tap for 15 yards. No, when he was three yards, it, it, he didn't even blow him up. Like, no. Marvin Jones tweeted about it. He's like, look, if you're going to get a personal foul, blow him up. Take a guy out. Like, Marvin would take you out. Now, yeah. here's the thing. Again, I think it's important more to, to the other point here that I don't want to stress. I've already ripped Jaden Lars would be like 50 times this year. I, I want to get to this. This staff is doing what Willie's staff wouldn't do. They are sitting people, they are yanking people off the field, and they are sending people on down the road. Right. That's the only way you can get a dramatic culture shift. It's still going to take time. It's still problematic. You still probably in some ways end up cutting off your nose despite your face in the immediate future because you have to put guys out there who aren't ready in the certain situations. I'd rather do that. It's a lost season. It's an asterisk season for everybody. Uh, that's fine. Do it now so that you can hit the ground running next year. And nobody wants to talk about next year, but man, if they were just going to let this simmer in this stew of suck for an, for the rest of the year and not make changes to the recipe, we'd have a real problem. So I'm glad that we're seeing they are quick to pull people off the field. And if need be, I guess pull captaincy, uh, tell people to leave the program. Good, good. Keep it up. I also, you know, the other thing he's doing, and again, this isn't, you know, they're one and three, so we're not going to, you know, it's people might not love just all the Mike Norvell appreciation, but uh, he's also holding coaches accountable. During that game Saturday, there were a couple times where I saw him not not showing up assistant coaches the way Jimbo used to do, which, you know, it's fine. You know, they get paid a lot. They can take it. But he's clearly – coaching the coaches, you know, and if, if, if the players don't play well, I saw him a couple times go over to assistant coaches and let them know he did not like the way the position, the players in their position performed. So, um, yeah, man, I think all that's important. And it's, and it's, you know, I was having a conversation. I can't remember if I brought this up last week or two weeks ago or not. Um, but I was talking to Jim Lamar, our monthly Jim Lamar reference. And, uh, we were talking about like, when do you think Mike Norvell like realized he bought a house that's got some foundation problems? Like, <laughs> like he he bought the house, it looked nice, and hey, I just got to slap some paint on it; it's going to be fine. Well, and again, this is where not having spring killed him. Well, and but yeah, and no, I agree. I think they found some things out that they didn't find out in the spring. But you know, I think Willie's a- approach to your point, and that's what we talked about was Willie just try to put fresh paint on it replace the windows like stucco, oh it looks yeah <laughs> it's, it's beautiful we'll put in some some new lighting yeah but the foundation was still crap i think i think norvell if he's going to be if he's the real deal he's going to try to work on the foundation and try to fix that for long-term success and but we'll have to see and and for over the last few weeks at that point i didn't know you know we didn't know what norvell was going to be but i think we're starting to see he is trying to go at the foundation well, Seems in fairness, in fairness to Willie, I guess Norvell's got time that Willie was never going to have, 
And and I'm not talking about anything incendiary there. I'm saying that that, that Willie actually set the expectations too high and then underdelivered. He should have right. never told the fan base that it was a quick fix. It were, it's not a real problem. We're okay here because you yeah. set the expectations. I mean, hell, the the the, the idea that they were going to score forty something points a game and all this other stuff that he told the fans on the tour. You can't do that and then underdeliver. Mike hasn't done that. Moreover, I think he's sending signals. This is this is going to be a while. That's the smart play. He also has a while because Florida State's broke and they can't fire him. So at this point, if you're Mike, you're in it for the long haul. You want to win here anyhow. It's Florida State freaking university. Where are you going? Unless you go to the pros, where are you going? This is the place to be. If you're him, this is a dream job. It's the right job. But if you're going to fix it, it's going to take two and three years. And you got to get it right in year one. Start tearing this thing down to build it back up. Well, it's definitely being torn down. Uh, we that that the defense is a, a smoldering mess. But uh, I did like the fact. Uh, I don't know how big it'll be. We'll see going forward. Um, they really did compete. I, I had no doubts that Notre Dame was going to walk in the end zone on that last drive and win the game. It just, I mean, the game was over essentially anyway. But number one, I, I like that Norvell was calling timeouts because you know, and I've, I've said this before. I, I wrote about it actually, but I was texting Ira and Aslan. Like, what is Norvell doing? Like, why does he keep taking timeouts in this thing? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, he's trying to win the game. Like, they're solely down two scores technically. And that didn't even dawn on me. So Because I'm so used to them being in a game against a good team, an elite team, and it being over by the second quarter, that they actually still were within striking distance. And he wasn't just taking a moral victory and being like, let's run out the clock and let it look like it's just 16 points. Like, he wanted to win the game. And um, that was encouraging, I thought. And I think the players can can see that. Like, oh, this guy's different. He was actually trying to win the game for us. And then also that stand at the end. You know, I don't know if it means anything. But J-Rob actually did his job for once on that last play. First time this year. Emmett Rice pursued. I mean, it was a nice play. They strung Um, it out. Yeah. And then, they, you know, Blackman actually hit some throws there until the, the inevitable sack on a Anyway, um, you couldn't even get the Hail Mary throw off, man. Come on, move, roll out. Um, so, uh, I mean, who just stands in the pocket for a Hail Mary? Yo, they going, always roll going, out. Keep going. You know what, I, what I liked about that whole situation, though, is the way both coaches handled it. So Norvell is like, look, man, I'm calling timeouts. I'm trying to get this ball back. And Kelly's like, okay, well, we're going to run it in for a touchdown. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. kick a field goal. I'm not going to run out the clock. If you're going to call timeouts, I'm going to run it in for a touchdown. And Norvell's like, that's fine. But we're going to stop you, and it, you know, it just it was, it was exactly what it should be. Competing, you know? they were yes. competing because Brian competing. Kelly was not like, okay, let's just let these guys get. No, he wanted to score after yeah. those times. It's like he was mad. He yep. wasn't gonna, he wasn't maybe gonna throw it, and he, and he wasn't gonna, but he wasn't just gonna kick a field goal. He was like, all right, we're just gonna run it into the end zone because you guys can't stop us, and they it's did. It's actually really respectful, actually. I think right, that's respectful. It's like, oh, you still want to? Okay, we're playing. Okay, we're and it playing. Was his, it was the starters. It was the starting line. Yes. It was the starting running back, and, what, and they made a stop. That's what I'm saying. Like that was the first time, to your point, Corey, like that somebody didn't get to rest their whole offense in the third yeah. quarter of yeah. a game. And that that's a, a really good Notre Dame team. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I took way more positives. Let's circle back to the outset of the show. I, I, when I got done watching that game, I turned the TV off and thought, all right, I saw some culture shift here. I saw kids competing. I saw, obviously, a disastrous result for the defense, especially in the first half against the run, and it's frustrating. Uh, but I knew I'd go back and rewatch on Sunday, but all in all, I turned off the TV and thought, I'm all right with this. They're showing signs of being well-coached and getting better, period. 
period. And, yeah. you know, that's why I was I was laughing because I was like, man, Corey is so focused on this defense being a train wreck right now. You wouldn't talk for 10 minutes about the good things that happened in the game. And I loved it because it, I, I love that you're passionate, but it cracked me up. I'm like, he's not seeing all the good things. Well, I, and I had a caveat at the beginning. I'm like, look, I, we can't just praise a team that just went to one and three and gave up 555 yards and gave up 12 yards to carry in the first half. I feel like that's uh, that's disingenuous. We have to address the main – talk about the main problem first. But then, yeah, we did come back to that. And I, in my column, I even wrote, like, the last five times they had played a top-five team, the scores at halftime were 17 to nothing, 28 to nothing, 28 to nothing, 30 to 7, 32 to 6. In this one, it was 35 to 20, which isn't it's- great – and it should have been 28 to 20. It should have been 28 to 20. And they went down and scored to open the second half to make it a close game again. That hadn't happened at this school since 16. That They hadn't been in a game against a good team, an elite team, since 2016. And that was that was a good sign. That's the point. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour, rolling on. I think it's been productive, guys. We're, yeah. we, you know, we're, we're venting, we're vetting, we're figuring some things out around here. And this it was uh, asinine clock management by Norvell at the end so of the first half. So I was going to ask that. you, yeah, I was going to ask you, what you guys think about that? Because he, uh, He's alluded to it a couple times in the last time on the coaches show. He actually went into why what what he did wrong. John Papuchis, the special teams coordinator, explained what he you know his his decision to go with the sky kick, which backfired. Um, man, I I I can't remember coaches being this open about making mistakes. It's a positive I think, thing. I, I do think it's positive, but it does it opens them up for more criticism. Yeah, That's but it also I mean. shows that you're secure in what, what you are. Like I I admit all the time when I write something dumb or I say something dumb, and I know I'm smart. I know I'm the best thing going on this show, but I can still admit when I say something dumb. Again, maybe my seagull, the seagull backfield, didn't take off the way I wanted to. We'll yeah. see. I think Toa Feely's going to add the toe to the web toe. But still, I, I know when I say something that's not the, the brightest or the smartest, but I have I have confidence in myself. Nor, to say what he said uh, is it, he has confidence in himself. But it's, it's one thing for us to show humility or – to, but yeah. you know, the, I think there's a when a guy's getting paid, five, you know, four million dollars a year, and he's got a hundred guys looking to him to have all the right answers. There is a challenge there. I mean, oh, you can't, you can't after every week say I screwed up here, 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 and here. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, you can't do that. But well, I, I think certainly every once in a while, when it's something obvious, you can say, yeah, I probably should have gone for it on fourth and one there, Jeff, and not tell me it's fourth and three. But we've seen Adazio, Jimbo Fisher, uh, da- I mean, well, Dabo did admit his his field goal the other day. That well, that was, that's on him. as dumb as it gets. But yeah. but how many coaches have we seen just be defiant? That well, well sure, you could say that. Yes, what's his name at Pitt last year? Yeah. Looked like yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For Narduzzi, yeah. But again, Dabo also has built up the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, I made a really dumb. I really made a, made a really dumb decision. Yeah, I also Jim, got y'all two national titles. Jimbo had two, and he was. No, I know good. Jimbo. Yeah. Jimbo's a, a little bit different uh, than Dabo personality wise. Maybe not as much as we think. But I think. Uh, but but I think Dabo's unique. I mean, I just think yeah, most coaches. I do. I do too. This was this was not normal. I think. Yeah, but on that token, still, and look, I would have killed Willie for doing. I did kill Willie for some clock management stuff. Oh with my good god, reason. he did it every freaking week. But True. Norvell deserved it. Because I think we were so caught up in the fact that they were 
actually moving the ball against Notre Dame, and it was still somewhat competitive in the second quarter, that nobody really at the time. I remember noting at the time, but I didn't tweet about it. I didn't. I don't even think I wrote about it in my column. Maybe I did, but that was asinine. You, they've got one timeout left. You're at yeah. the 12 yard no, no. line. You have to run the clock down. Yeah, it's good that he's admitted it. It's obvious they did. I, I he's got to be better about that. I think there's no doubt he understands that. I'm glad he admitted it. Yeah, I don't want him to make it a habit of screwing up the ends of halves. I, at the same time, he got a little screwed because a veteran player decided to commit a personal foul. Uh, yeah, they were going to go score anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't a think bunch so, of man. a bunch I don't of think score a touchdown. A bunch of things were going went wrong. To uh, they got some bad luck along the way. I mean it. You know, if, if you know Travis hits Terry for the touchdown, we're not talking about it really. I mean, they, you know, Notre Dame may have the come down. The second down call is the one you have to run the ball. No, you're you right. And, it, and they ran an R- a free timeout. Yeah, they ran an RPO instead, and he, Jordan ended up throwing it to nobody. Um, but you know, even there, the you know, if the if if the kick is better, if the kick is better, what it was supposed to be. I mean, there's a lot of things that the personal foul. There's a lot of things that, but that's what happens when you make bad mis- when you, yeah, yeah, when, you when you make a poor decision. A lot of times, it, it does come back to haunt you. Anyway, I thought that was that was a positive sign that he was willing to admit it. I do think it's going to open him up to for some people to criticize him more. Some people that maybe weren't even paying attention to that at the time. But I think it's the right thing to do, and I think it's good for the players to see that. Look, you know, on Sunday when they go in and and show them all the mistakes that the players made. It's not a bad thing every once in a while to say, hey, we got we could have helped you out here and we didn't. You know, we'll be better. And then you just can't have it happen every week, to your point. Yeah, I think and I, I bet I don't I don't necessarily think that Jimbo didn't do that with the players. I think there I were think. times where he might have said, Look, that's on me. That's a bad that was that was on my fault. Uh he would never do it publicly though, ever. Um, never take it would always be something, you know, oh, when I asked him about not going for two against Oklahoma State to go up by 14 with like four minutes to go. And he gave me that weird explanation about, you know, they could kick a couple field goals and he just uh, wouldn't say, he, I'm, he said complete gibberish is what he yeah, said. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. you could have just said, yeah, I, sc- I had a brain fart. I screwed that up. Nobody's going to, you just won a national championship, man. No, everybody will be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You made a mistake. It's all right. You're still a really good coach. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that, yeah, Jeff's right. You can't do it every, every seventh play. Like guys, that's on me. I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing here. Well, I, I'm learning on the job. Like you can't say that stuff, but you can admit to mistakes. Hey, since it's the end of the first hour, can we kill Dan Mullen for just a couple minutes here? Yeah, I'm crying about the uh, fans in the stands, and what? somehow uh, it doesn't make any sense. What in the world? I mean, first of all, like, and I watched the Texas A&M game. Clearly, the folks in College Station are not all that concerned about the Rona because shocking, shocking. <laughs> while they while they may have only sold 25 percent of the tickets, they all came down and stayed down in, in the lower bowl. So I understand his point that it 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 was a better environment than, than most teams are having to play in. It was a better environment than North Carolina's got to play it here on Saturday. Um, but to say you want ninety, but to make that your your big rallying cry after the game and say you need ninety one thousand people, you're not. I mean, dude, what an idiot! I mean, that, that's that to me is is it's up there with the shark photo for McElwain. Like it, Ooh, that's embarrassing. I don't know. It, uh, oh, man. It's not humping feels, a shark. <laughs> it, 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 it's not surprising to hear a football coach lack sophistication, nuance, or understanding. But my God, he encapsulated a lot of stupidity in that one comment. I mean, and, and, holy, and just, holy. And just, well, he was just childish. He's just a childish crybaby. Cry it's like, yeah. yeah, man, you know, you still had a lead. 
Well, you know, also, your defense can your tackle defense, somebody whether the fans in the stands or not. I was going to say, there could be nobody watching the game, and your defense is going to give up a bunch of points and yards. They do every week. Yeah, Corey and I were texting. In the fourth quarter, we were texting. like, Man, Florida's trying to give this game away. Like, they're going to give this game away. Yeah. And the, I also think everybody loved the way Jimbo was fired up about beating Florida again. I think part of it was Florida, a big part of it. But I also think part of it was Mullet. Like, yeah. no, nobody likes Dan Mullet. Right, he's a good coach that nobody likes. Right, uh, I would I would say this. The other part of it was Jimbo finally got a win that he could be excited about. He hadn't won a yeah. damn thing at Texas A and M. He's been an embarrassment. That, Hour number too. two, fourth coming. Stay with Seminole headlines. We'll take a breather. More next. 